A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> well, it, there's probably a, a balance between. I believe you have to know Christ, but God is in hell. He is, and someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> my mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are. God's by faith in his son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> and... Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. <laughs> So put your trust in the sovereign risen king Who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples But we take what he's created and we turn him into idols I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM Yeah, spirit and truth is worship viewed in this chemistry But, but some are spewing distorted views of the Trinity Hey everybody, welcome to episode 26 of The Master's Dog. I'm your host, The Evangelical Norm. So we are back to just our basic uh, foundation of what this podcast started out as. uh, Just another response to the Saints Unscripted podcast, uh, latest episode of Faith and Beliefs. Um, And... This one is, there's not a whole lot to say. You'll, you'll understand when we play the video. There's a little history that we're going to, we'll talk about and kind of hash out what they, what David talks about as being the history of it and what we recognize and, and uh, have understood to be the history. And again, you have one group looking at history one way, another group looking at history another way which has never happened before, right? So um, with that, we'll go ahead and we'll let David get started with uh, telling us about what he's going to talk about today, and we'll go from there.
Hey guys, so Joseph Smith was killed by a mob at Carthage Jail on June 27th, 1844. This episode is not going to cover the events of that day in detail. Then why are you bringing him up, you lemon? Instead, we're going to look at the controversy surrounding the destruction of the Nauvoo Expositor and how that situation sparked the chain of events that ultimately led to the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram Smith. Destroying the Nauvoo Expositor, which we're going to talk about, wasn't the real reason Joseph was killed. It was just the straw that broke the camel's back. This is the last straw! People were angry for a lot of reasons. Politically, the Latter-day Saints in Nauvoo were a threat. Theologically, they were considered blasphemous, and also rumors had started circulating that Joseph was quietly teaching and practicing plural marriage in Nauvoo, which of course he was. To air these grievances, some disaffected members, including William Law, Robert Foster, and Francis Higby, produced a rather inflammatory new publication in Nauvoo called the Nauvoo Expositor. On June 7th, in their first and only edition, the Expositor attacked Joseph's political goals, plural marriage, and theological teachings. If you want to read the paper, there's a link in the description. On June 8th, Joseph told the Nauvoo City Council that such papers are calculated to destroy the peace of the city, and it is not safe that such things should exist on account of the mob spirit which they tend to produce. On June 10th, the City Council met again for several hours to figure out what to do. You can actually read the Council meeting minutes online if you want to. The City Attorney was at the meeting. He defined nuisance as anything that disturbs the peace of the city. With that as a legal basis, the council agreed to take action. Joseph Smith's personal journal summarizes what ended up happening. The council passed an ordinance declaring the Nauvoo Expositor a nuisance and also issued an order to me to abate the said nuisance. I immediately ordered the marshal to destroy it without delay. About 8 p.m., the marshal returned and reported that he had removed the press, type, printed paper, and fixtures into the street and destroyed them. This was done because of the libelous and slanderous character of the paper, its avowed intention being to destroy the municipality and drive the saints from the city. Now, was getting... Okay, so here we got to talk about this. <laughs> um, and I, I think David actually mentions it here. You've got a city council that is biased because they're all Mormon and they are following after this prophet and... So he goes to them. He basically says this thing is a nuisance. They pass a, a, a ordinance that says it's a nuisance, and then they tell Joseph to go and get rid of it. Well, here's a problem, and I think David even mentions it, but I'm going to bring it up. Freedom of the press. They had created a newspaper, no matter how inflammatory they want to say it is. They literally were, were discussing the things that Joseph was doing polygamy the fact that he married a 14 year old girl um and then other things that were in there i don't remember everything that was in there again i think he said the if you want to read the initial i think they only got one edition out um you can read it but so you're actively violating the the first amendment rights of these men who had created a newspaper and this this is this is a problem this is one of those things that people look at that cause them to uh describe mormonism as a cult 
because you have a charismatic leader who is able to convince the city council to give him permission to violate the constitutional rights of some people who are exposing the immoral and unchristlike and blasphemous heretical things that he's doing so this all fed into why joseph was killed um so let's let him carry on putting a posse together and destroying the newspaper illegal uh well maurice yeah it's 50 50. well the city council who i admit was probably biased didn't think so but the governor, Thomas Ford, disagreed. He understandably thought it was an infraction of the freedom of the press. Joseph later wrote to Governor Ford explaining the city council's legal justification, but also said, if we have erred, we again say we will make all right if we can have the privilege. In response to the destruction of the expositor, Thomas Sharp with the Warsaw Signal published, war and extermination is inevitable. Citizens arise, one and all. Can you stand by and suffer such infernal devils to rob men of their property and rights without avenging them? We have no time for comment. Every man will make his own. Let it be made with powder and ball. Okay, so one, this is, this is not a, a great way to respond to what Joseph did. Granted, this is not good. But again, for Joseph to... I find it very arrogant um, to write a letter to the governor saying, well, you know, this is why we thought it was a nuisance. And if we're wrong, we'll make it. You'd already destroyed the paper. You'd all, th this is not something that, I mean, for these men, this was, this was uh, investment of time and money and not something that could be easily restored. You know, it, you destroyed everything. It wasn't like you could just go down to the corner of Best Buy and pick up a new printer, right? I mean, this was this was massive, and the arrogance of Joseph Smith to go, well, if we can make it right, if we have the privilege, you know, that's, I mean, that was, that's just one more jab at, at the men who um, had started the, the Nauvoo Expositor and then lost this... Uh, the property that they lost because Joseph didn't like the fact that they were calling him out. And so he convinced the city council to let him destroy the whole thing. All weeks before the event, the same Thomas Sharp warned that Joe Smith is not safe out of Nauvoo. And we would not be surprised to hear of his death by violent means in a short time. This isn't news. It's a threat. So Joseph was in a pickle. Yeah, it was. And yeah, it, it that should have been condemned as well. Governor Ford wanted him and others to stand trial in Carthage, Illinois. To Joseph, that was like walking into Mordor. One does not simply walk into Mordor. He invited Ford to Nauvoo, but Ford rejected the offer and threatened to send the militia into Nauvoo to arrest Joseph, which also had great potential to end in bloodshed. Joseph wrote back, We dare not come, though your excellency promises protection, yet at the same time you've expressed fears that you could not control the mob, in which case we are left to the mercy of the merciless. So Joseph and a couple others went with option C. They fled Nauvoo and hoped to appeal to the federal government. So when a posse arrived in Nauvoo to arrest Joseph, he wasn't there. Emma wrote Joseph asking him to turn himself in and trust the legal process. On top of that, some on-edge saints thought Joseph had abandoned them like a shepherd leaving his flock to the wolves.
And he kind of did. He, rather than, and again, here's where, and he's going to use the word martyrdom. This is one of those things where, now, again, they'll say, well, he did go back and he did go willingly, but he ran initially. This is, this is what differentiates Joseph Smith from the apostles or the early church fathers who were martyred for their faith. They did not run. They willingly went to their deaths. Joseph, multiple times, tried to avoid this. So the term martyrdom does not and cannot be applied to Joseph Smith. Resigned to his fate, Joseph said, If my life is of no value to my friends, it is of none to myself. He, along with several others, turned themselves in on June 24th. On June that does not sound like the words of a martyr. If my life is of no value to my friends, so if my friends aren't going to defend me and they're going to complain because I'm running and I'm hiding, well, then I guess I'll go do that. I mean, that's a, a strange statement to make. Um, if my life is of no value to my friends, it, it just, again, that sounds, there. it smacks of, of an arrogant, um, well, if you're not going to help me get away kind of thing. June 25th in Carthage, they were all released on bail until their trial would roll around, except for Joseph and Hiram, who had been rearrested on last-minute treason charges, which I won't get into because even Governor Ford later doubted whether they were guilty of treason. He later recognized the charges as a ploy to keep the Smiths in jail for the purpose of murdering them afterwards. And it worked. Joseph and Hiram were taken to Carthage jail to wait for a hearing. John Taylor and Willard Richards voluntarily went with them. And this is where we're going to end this episode. <laughs> the stage is set. Eventually, I'm going to have to do a couple more episodes about the martyrdom itself, as well as the legal failures surrounding this event. But in a nutshell, these are the events leading up to Joseph's imprisonment and murder. If you've got questions, check out our website, as well as the notes and links in the description. And have a great day. So I will, I will give them the term murder, but martyrdom, no. Joseph was not a martyr. Joseph fought against, uh, he, rightfully so. I, I, don't, I don't think Joseph was in the wrong to try to defend himself, to shoot back and try to live. But in that, he removes the, the descriptor of martyr that, that no longer applies. Because again, martyrs are willingly going to pay the penalty for their faith. Joseph fought. Joseph did not want to die. Joseph did everything he could to stay alive. And so granted, they murdered him. And it was wrong and it should not have happened. The, the mob and the way that it went down and even David's talks about the legal failures. All those things. Joseph should have gone to prison he should have he should have should have been locked up but not killed and had he been locked up had there not been legal failures um, and had Joseph been locked up I think I think Mormonism would have died with him uh, when he died in, in prison or later that the religion would have gone away I firmly believe uh, that that would have happened but by killing him and allowing them to claim martyrdom caused the, 
the LDS faith to continue to, to grow and, and, uh, and move on. And that's unfortunate, but that is what it is. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of episodes that David does. Um, it'll be interesting to be able to wrap this part up. But again, uh, what we what we see here is, the again, it's laying out the table to proclaim the martyrdom of a man who wasn't a martyr. And so there is going to be, you're going to see it, and it's hap- we talk about it every one of these, these videos that we do. You're going to see the little bits of deception and, and mixing of truth and lies to make it appear that Joseph was innocent and should not. I mean, Joseph did some horrible things that caused some people to be very angry, that caused them to seek and cause his... and cause his death and murder him that was not right of them but it was again the actions that led up to it and Joseph was not innocent Um, he wasn't guilty of a capital crime I don't think I mean I think marrying a 14 year old is pretty gross but different time different you know 14-year-old girls were getting married. Not that I see that they should be married to older men, but so capital crime, no. Crime, yes. Criminal, yes. Should he have been uh, put in some kind of prison? Yes. Murdered? No. But that allows them to, the Mormons, to take and push this martyrdom uh, narrative that is not true. So we'll see how it carries on and where we go from here in the next couple of episodes. Looking forward to it. So as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.